Pretty much in prayer also. Albert's going to have a little operation going on, I believe, this week. And pray for him. And uh, do a little operation on his foot. Just pray that he comes through that okay and heals quickly on that also. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Isn't it good to know that you can pray? That you have a God that hears your prayers. That He cares about everything within your life and, and what's going on in your life and, and the needs that you have in your life. And many times He, you know, the Holy Spirit prays about things that we don't even know how to pray about. And so we praise the Lord for that. It's good to know that we have a, a prayer answering God that cares about us and cares about all, the, all that's going on in our lives. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. First Samuel chapter 17. We're going to begin reading in verse 38. In verse 38. It says, Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. He took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with stays? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, but uh, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into, <clears throat> excuse me, into his forehead, and he fell upon the, his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out <clears throat> of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sherim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Look back with me in verse 51. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword. He took the Philistine's sword. He didn't have a sword on him. And drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him 
and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Removing the Sword from a Giant. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and ask that you'd meet with us now. Lord, we do pray for these again, Lord. Uh, we think of Nicole and, uh, and others, Lord. Just touch their bodies, raise them up. But Lord, tonight, Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Lord, each of us are in a battle. And Lord, the enemy comes after us. He has a sword. And Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight and strengthen us, give us some understanding of the battle we're in, but Lord, give us wisdom of how to handle the sword that the giants have in our lives. Have your will and way, Lord, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. We see this great story of David and the Goliath and how that David defeated Goliath by the mighty hand of the Lord. It was the Lord that did it. It wasn't David. It was the Lord. And we see here that, and I want us to consider this sword that was carried by Goliath. It was a very large sword. And uh, it was carried by the enemy of Israel. We have a picture here of David who is on the Lord's side that represents you and me. Then you have Goliath, which represents Satan and the world and all that is evil. You have this. And this giant that represents the evil, represents all the world and the wickedness and, and all, and represents Satan, is carrying a sword. You see a lot today about self-defense. You'll see, a lot of, uh, you'll see a lot of videos and different things of how to disarm a man that maybe comes up, has a gun or whatever, and they're showing you all kinds of different tactics, how to remove the gun from somebody or and all this stuff going on. You know, and there's always classes and, and stuff. And, and uh, the, I've had some, some of the classes that I took in, in is a kind of a self-defense, but it was to get uh, concealed carry and stuff many years ago. And so you go through this training so that how that you can, can uh, disarm sometimes a, an enemy. But what we see here is that David takes the very sword that was going to be used against him and he cuts the head of the giant off. Tonight I want us to look at some things here about this sword and, and removing the sword from a giant. Removing the sword from a giant. Realize the difference in the size and the strength of the two that's in this fight. You have here in verse 4 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, it says, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. We don't know exactly, the, 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 exactly but pretty close to the fact that he was nine foot nine. Okay, nine foot nine. Some believe he was a little taller than that. Depends on what you call a span. And so he was, he was a very big man, a huge man. And, and in verse 33 it says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. Otherwise you're young, you're, you're a teenager, you're, 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 you're young. And you can't go up against this man. He said, For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So we have there that David had been probably less than six foot tall and, and just a young shepherd boy. Goliath was a man of war and he knew how to fight and, and had great strength. But it has, has always been that way. Let me say this, it's always been that way. Of ourselves, we're much smaller and weaker than the enemy of the Lord, yet we have great strength and ability in the Lord himself. 
And verse 37 says, And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. One of the things that you and I need to understand in the challenges that we have in our day and time is the enemy attacks. And it's not a matter of if he attacks. It's a matter of when he attacks and, and tries to defeat you, tries to pull you down, tries to destroy you as a Christian, tries to destroy your testimony, tries to de destroy your walk with God, tries to destroy the joy that you have in the Lord, tries to destroy your vision of living for God, tries to destroy anything about you that has to do with God. Satan wants to destroy it. The Bible says he walk about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you and me. He is the enemy. He is the enemy. And my friend, for you to stand here, for me to stand here and say, well, I'll take him on, you, we would be idiots. We would be crazy. Because we of ourselves are not that powerful. We do not have that type of strength. We are not that large. But it's through the Lord himself, just as David said, it was, it's the Lord that will, that will take the battle. We need to realize that our strength is in the Lord and not ourselves. One of our greatest mistakes is to think that we can defeat the enemy in our flesh. Every person in this room, you have a battle with your flesh. I don't care who you are. You have a battle with your flesh. There's different battles going on, but we need the Lord. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That strength comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from ourselves, our abilities, our mind. Uh, you know, you have a lot of uh, people who are positive thinkers. Can I tell you something? You cannot beat Satan with positive thinking. But what you can beat him with is the strength of the Lord and walking with God. So we need to remove the sword from the giant, remove his effectiveness. That sword of that giant represents his effectiveness as... as uh, Goliath, if you can picture this, as Goliath came out and was taunting the children of Israel, and he began to walk down that, uh, that into that valley where he and, and David was to meet as he was walking down through there, it describes uh, uh, him coming down there. He was girded with a sword. He had a sword. He had an armor bearer that was in front of him that carried his spear and his shield. But he himself had a sword. That sword represents the effectiveness of the enemy. That sword is what is attacking you and me. That sword is a, is a representation of the attitude of Satan to destroy your life and my life. So what we've got to do is we've got to take that sword away. Take away the effectiveness of it. Remove the effectiveness of it. Look in verse 51. It says, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. The attacks are always going to come from the enemy. So we need to learn how, by the power of God, to remove the, his sword or his effectiveness in our lives. To remove his effectiveness, Satan's effectiveness, in our lives. First of all, give no ground to the enemy in your life. I want to give you several things here. You can jot them down if you want to or remember them or, or just forget about it if you want to. That's up to you. But the thing of it is, is that we need to give no ground to the enemy. You've heard the old saying, you give an inch, they'll take a mile. And the fact is, is that Satan, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. He'll take 10 miles in your life. 
He wants to be effective, and he's looking, as I've quoted a while ago, he walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I don't know if you uh, have, uh, uh, you, you, you've seen or heard about this, and, and I didn't really think it was, was really uh, a thing, but I know of a fellow that is a, is a salesman, or was a salesman, a salesman all of his life, a good friend of ours. And uh, haven't talked to him long, in a long time, so you can see how good friend we are. Anyway, good friend. And, uh, but I, even when we would decide to go out to eat together, we'd be going somewhere, and he would try to sell me on where we was going to eat. And that was okay. But as soon as I said, okay, then he would, go to, uh, he would start trying to sell me on a different place. And I'd say, okay. And then he'd start trying to sell me on eating at a different place. And finally I'd say, Zane, where do you want to eat at? And the fact is that he had so much salesmanship in him that everything was a sale job. Well, can I tell you something? That, and I talked to him about, about this, about the different things, and we got to talk about one time about the fact that uh, he sold vacuum cleaners. But I'm going to tell you what, if you can sell vacuum cleaners and make a living at it, you're a pretty good salesman. And then he sold cars. And, uh, and, but uh, they would go and and to houses and before they went they would go and they would they'd have a little meeting man they get reared up boy they just you know uh, sell those back ring those bells ring those bells ring those, and, and all this and knock those doors knock those doors and and literally you've heard of people when somebody comes to the door they you begin to try to talk to them and they don't want to listen that they would put their foot in the door like that there so they couldn't close the door can I tell you something Satan will try to do that in your life he will try to get his foot in the door of your life. He's looking for an opening in your life so that he can attack you, so that he can come in and try to destroy your life as a Christian, to destroy every area of your life. He, and, and if you give him that foot in the door, he's going to come in. And so if Goliath and the Philistines could defeat some of the Israelites, there in that valley, they would continue to push them back and take more of their ground from them. It would just be a constant push. If you uh, watch, if you read anything about the battles going on in Russia, that's what they try to do. It's not overtaking over a whole bunch of land at once, but over little increments at a time. Satan knows that he can't maybe get you out and cause you to be a drunk in the beginning. But little by little... If he can get you to do this and do that and to social drink before long, you become a drunk. He realizes that he can't get you to become a, a drug addict by just uh, shoving a bunch of dope in front of you from somebody. But he does realize this, that if you're in a lot of pain, that he can get you hooked maybe on, on prescription medication and then move you to something else. And so he's very tricky and he's looking for that open door. He's looking to destroy your life, destroy my life. And so he's looking for any little way to take a little bit of ground so he can begin to expand that ground in your life. Most Christians don't fall out of church just overnight. Sometimes they do, but generally it starts out maybe on a Wednesday night. And before long, they don't come. And before long, they, they begin to let down. And next thing you know, they don't go on, on Sunday nights. Next thing you know, they don't come uh, very often on Sundays. And next thing you know, they're completely out. It doesn't happen just all at once. It's a little at a time. Your prayer life is the same way. You didn't just stop praying all at once. It was you started missing it here and there. It wasn't that you, you just quit reading your Bible totally all at once. You quit reading it a little bit here and a little bit there. And before long, you quit reading your Bible. 
So Satan's trying to get a little ground and get a foot in the door just a little bit as he can. Israel needed to stop them right there. But they were afraid to, and rightly so, they, because they were, the only, they were only fighting in their own strength until David got there. In verse 23, that same chapter says, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistine, of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And so they were, there's this valley, and they, they're facing this enemy. There's a great need to stop him, though, right there. Instead of allowing him to push on through, and the Philistines come in, not allow him to go any further. The same is true in our lives. We must stop the enemy when he first comes out to challenge us. We, we can't retreat and, and allow him to conquer more ground in our lives. If you retreat when Satan attacks, he's going to take more ground. And Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 says, neither give, neither give place to the devil. Let me say it again. Neither give place to the devil. If you give him a little bit, he'll take more. If you give him a little bit more, he'll take even more. And he'll keep on till he has it all. But the Bible says don't give place to him. Otherwise, don't give an ear to him. Don't give your eyes to him. Don't give your thoughts to him. Don't give your life to him in any form or fashion. Don't just go a little bit because he wants to give more or take more in your life. So don't open up yourself to sin in this world. Don't allow Satan to get a foothold in your life. Romans 12, 9 says, let, let love be without dissimulation. But it goes on and says, abhor that which is evil cleave to that which is good. You go over into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Many times what we don't realize is that we kind of, well, this is not a big deal. And so we give in to it. And, in, and, abs, and instead of abhorring what is wrong and hating sin, we begin to coexist with it and before long, we begin to move along with it, and Satan begins to get a foothold in our lives. The Bible says there to abstain from the very appearance of evil. A lot of people, Christians, don't intend to go out and run their lives. There's not a Christian here that you intend to go out and run your life. You don't want to run your life. But what you allow in little will begin to expand in your life. Many times we don't realize that the things that we allow in our lives because maybe it's the fad, maybe it's the thing, maybe it's popular, maybe a good friend or whatever is allowing it or, or maybe a family member or whatever. If you're not careful, it'll take you long ways away from the Lord. And too many times we find people who will no longer abstain from the very appearance of evil. You see, you say, well, preacher, it's, it's, I went into this and did this and, and everything. I, it, it, I didn't do anything wrong. But what did it appear evil? Did, was it the appearance of evil? You see, your testimony is important. And people, the lost world, want to think the worst of you anyways. They want you to fall because that puts you and them on the same level spiritually in their, in their mind. And that's not what it's all about. It's not that we're better than somebody else. 
It's the fact that they want to lower those expectations so that they can use that to defend their, where they're at spiritually. And so we got to abstain from even the very appearance of evil. You know, right from wrong, stay away from evil and sin. Don't even go near it. It's like, a, a, like have you ever been walking out and in, in, in especially start seeing it? Maybe you know, you're going out in, into the woods and you're walking around, just maybe looking around or maybe you're hunting. And next thing you know, you look down and, and you got bagger lice in your socks. You got them on your britches. You got them all over you. I mean, them things that you just walk by and brush them, it's like, ah! Like they got teeth, they just bite into anything you're wearing. And then if you got any, you know, if you got on some like some wool socks or something like that, man, trying to dig them things out of that. Or maybe you got your dog out running and everything, and boy, comes back and the tail's just all matted down with all that beggar lice. And you're sitting there trying to get all that out. Say, what do you do? Cut the tail off, dog. Throw it away. Don't worry about it. Amen. <laughs> the fact is, is that's the way sin is. If you keep rubbing up against it, you're going, to, you're going to bring it home. It's going to come home in your life. And too many Christians are constantly rubbing up against the world. Instead of staying away from those things and giving Satan the opportunity to get into their lives. We've got to stay away from it. We need to abstain from it. We need to walk away from it. Get away from those things that, that will attach themselves. We need to cleave uh, to that which is good, the Bible says, instead of allowing the world to cleave to us. That, that's, uh, that, that way you're not giving the enemy an opportunity to, to even draw his sword on you. Then, make, a, make his sword too short for, the bat, for your battle, to battle you. Say, what? Make his sword too short. I don't understand that. Stand up here, Blake. Stand right here. I don't know what the length of, a, of the sword is, but let's say that he's carrying a sword. He pulls the sword. Am I in danger? Yes, I am. In fact, if he just pulled a knife, am I in danger? Yes, I am. Because we're too close. But if I'm away from him, am I in danger? Not near so much. Because there's a distance. He can't, he can't reach me unless he advances against me. If I even move farther away, he, it makes the odds uh, a, a lot less that he can do harm to me with a knife or with the sword. If I move farther away, you see what I'm saying? The farther away that you get from Satan's sword, the safer you'll be. Our problem today is, is that we want to get up and, and get so close to the world, and the world is a representation of Satan, it's, and we want to rub elbows with the world, and we want to be around it all the time. You're already in a position to be harmed by Satan. We need to put some distance between us and that sword. Thank you. And too many times today, Christians, listen to me. We got too many Christians that are trying to walk the line, the world and God. And they're just trying to get over as far as they possibly can on that line without falling in. What's the safest place? Get away from the line. Amen. Get away from the line. If 
you've heard me tell the story about the guy, that rich man that wanted it. He was looking for a, a new driver. Uh, and he, he had a driver and, and dro that drove him everywhere, and he needed a new driver. And they put out an app, uh, a deal for drivers, and they came in and and they took, said, it's going to meet at this such and such place, and you all come. We want you to, you, we want you to see this place because you're going to be driving through here. And so they got there, and there's a cliff that dropped off like that. Narrow road. And they asked the first guy, said, okay, uh, how close can you get to that, to that uh, cliff without losing the car and dropping off there? Guy looked at it, he said, I can get you within eight foot of it, not, not worry about it. Okay, we're not interested. Next guy comes up and he says, how close can you get to that cliff without dropping the car off? He said, I can get you within two foot and never drop a wheel off there. He said, no, we're not interested. You go on. Another fellow walks up there and said, how close can you get to that cliff without dropping off there? He said, I can get you that close and never drop a wheel off. He said, we don't need you. Thank you. Next guy comes up and they say, how close can you get to that cliff? He said, I'm not your man. They said, why? He said, because I'm going to stay as far away from that cliff as I possibly can. They said, you're hired. You're hired. You see, that's our problem as Christians. We want to see how close we can get to the world and sin without dropping off. When God says we need to get away from it. We need to put some distance between us and the things of this world. Because I guarantee you, it's going to come around. And so we need to put ourselves as far away as we possibly can from that. We need to make his sword too short. In fact, the Bible tells us uh, in 2 Timothy 2.22, says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call uh, uh, on the Lord out of a pure heart. He says, flee those things. Run from it. David didn't go out there. By the way, you go back and read the rest of the story. David didn't go out there looking for a fight. He went out there to take the, 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 uh, to take the, the food to his brothers and to, and to Saul and, and to check on, see how everything was going. His father had sent him out there. He didn't go out there looking for that fight. Can I tell you something, Christian? Don't go looking for a fight with sin. Yeah. Don't go look and think that you're tough and that you can handle it. Because I'm going to tell you something. You can't. And I can't. Right. Don't go looking for it. Get away from it. One of the things that when I was taking concealed carry... One of the things, and it was Tim Oliver that taught this in Columbia, and he, he trains police officers, he trains uh, military men, and, and he's, he's one of the, the, the best qualified trainers that there is. And one of the things that, you know, I thought, man, he's going to tell us all these poses and all these different things, man, how to do this and how to do all that sort of stuff, and, and boy, you, you see the bad guy, you go looking, and you get around over here. You know, one of the things he said, he said, when you pull up to a store, he said, pull up to the front, he said, before you ever get out of the car, he said, you look inside that storage of that place, plate glass window and see if you see anything going on. He said, if there is, he said, you get away from there and you call the police. He said, you don't go looking for the fight. He said, stay away from those dark alleys. Stay away from those questionable places that you might have to use a gun. He said, don't go looking like the big, like the big uh, 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 cowboy looking for the fight that you're going to whip everybody that's bad in the West. He said, stay away from those things. He said, you don't ever want to have to pull that gun. He said, you don't ever want to go looking for the fight. 
He said, you've got it if you need it. And I tell you, Christian, you're going to need it in this life. You're going to need to be able to stand in the fight. But my friend, avoid it. Stay as far away from it as you possibly can until you just have to absolutely stand toe-to-toe and fight. We don't need to be around the sin. We don't need to be around those things. We don't need to go looking for a fight. Uh, then uh, turn to righteousness and faith and charity. Don't, don't get close to it, but get away from it. Make your sword so short. And the, and the way you do that is in James 4, it says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Yeah. What? Yeah. Get back up here, Blake. If this guy shows up, Stand over there. If this guy shows up and all of a sudden I see how close I am to him, I need to start backing up. And I need to draw nigh to God. What do you mean? I mean, get as far as I can away from him, but get as close as I can to God. That means in prayer. That means in fellowship. That means in his word. That means in walking with him. That means in, in all of your life. Now I mean, draw nigh to him. And when you draw nigh to him, he's going to draw nigh to you. And guess what? That guy don't want anything to do with this man. Safest place to be. Listen to me. Safest place to be. It's not somewhere in the middle. Not over here. Not in the middle. And too many Christians like that middle area. Hmm. Too many Christians like that middle area. The safest place to be in your Christian life is right here. Thank you. Oh, how we've got to realize to put some distance between us and that sword. If we'll draw nigh to God, Satan's sword is too short to reach us. Knock the sword from his hand then before he can use it. If you have, have stumbled into his reach with, with his wicked temptations, knock the sword from his hand before he has the chance to use it. You say, well, preacher, you're done t- talking about how strong he and, and powerful he is that we can't do that. How are you going to knock the sword from his hand? How are you going to knock that temptation from his hand? How are you going to knock that, that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, evil that he's trying to, to get in your life? How are you going to knock it out of his hand? James chapter 4 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Listen to the rest of it. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. There's a resistance that must take place in your life and my life towards the things of of Satan. We've got to come to a place where we say, You know what? I, I don't want that in my life. And we resist him. But then there's something else that he started out with. He said, submit. And many Christians, and a lot lot of us, we don't like to submit to authority. We don't like to submit to someone telling us what to do. My friend, to enable you to, to, to resist him, you must first submit to the Lord. What do you mean? You need to turn around. You need to go the right direction. You need to find an altar. You need to call on the Lord. You need to seek Him. To submit is to turn in obedience unto the Lord. Admit you're, you're, you're drifting into the hands of the enemy. Seek forgiveness and turn to the Lord. By turning back unto the Lord and seeking forgiveness, you're removing the sword of sin from Satan that Satan sought to attack you with. 
And then he'll flee at the presence of the Lord. He has to drop it and run. The next one would be dull the sword with the Word of God. Take him to the Word of God and it'll take the cutting edge off his sword. Have you ever been trying to cut something? Especially you ladies in the kitchen. And you get out that knife and you're trying to cut this or whatever. And it's like, what is wrong with this thing? You take the knife and, <laughs> and this thing is dull. It won't cut anything. As a Christian, we need to dull the edge of Satan's attack in our lives. Dull the edge of that attack. Dull the edge of that sword that he's using against you. Take him to the Word of God. It'll take the cutting edge off of his sword. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and moral, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the, of the heart. You say, well, preacher, that, how's that dull that? How does that dull that? You're talking about a sharp sword, but you're talking about this sword over here and it, it dulling it. It's talking about the Word of God. Amen. How do you dull Satan's attack on you? Right here. Right here. Prove it. After 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, Satan comes with his sword to attack Jesus Christ. How did Jesus dull that sword? It is written with the Word of God. It takes the edge off of his sword. It takes the edge. When, there's, when the temptations come, which is that sword of Satan. When he brings it about to, to try to destroy you, man, it's good to have Scripture in mind already. Or at least get into the Word of God and begin to, to pray and to read the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Draw nigh to God. And boy, I mean, just begin to quote that scripture. And it begins to take the edge off of Satan's sword that he chooses to try to use against you and me. We need to take that edge off because you're going to be attacked at some time. And you take it off with the Word of God. Then use his sword against him. Look here in verse 51 again, Sam, 1 Samuel chapter 17. He says, therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, notice what they says here, they fled. They fled. We need to hate even the appearance of evil and sin. It should drive us to our knees to seek the Lord. It should drive us to our knees. 
the very presence of sin or the temptations of sin should cause us to draw near unto the Lord. When we see that coming in our lives and when we see the temptation there, we'll begin to call on the Lord and seek Him. Therefore, what Satan meant to draw us away from the Lord and to weaken us with causes us to draw near to the Lord and strengthens us. Huh? What? Play. He comes at me with a sword that he wants to hurt me with to destroy my life for Christ. I have a choice to make. I can stand here and try to fight him. He draws the sword. Lord, I've sinned against you. Lord, I'm going the wrong direction here. Lord, I need you. Lord, would you use this to strengthen me and help me to walk closer to you? And take what he meant to destroy me with and use it against him and let it cause me to get closer to God. Every one of us has heard people say, I'm mad at God. Every one of us has heard people say, God didn't help me. Where was God? He was there the whole time. He was just waiting for you to turn to Him. You see, the battles will always be there. We can either let them make us bitter, as the old saying, or better. Amen. The temptations of sin will always be there. You can either let it make you bitter and fall into sin or make you better and draw close to God. You go through struggles in life. You can either let it discourage you or you can let it strengthen you. Satan wants to discourage you with the temptations. He wants to discourage you with the trials. He wants to discourage you with the struggles. He wants to discourage you with the illnesses. He wants you to be discouraged with all the problems. But if you will take his sword that he's trying to use on you and use it on him by allowing those things to draw you close to God, he'll quit using that sword. He'll look for something else. Our problem today is we don't stay out of the reach. We don't draw out of God. We don't turn and use his own sword against him. You see, the very presence of sin or the temptation of sin should cause us to draw near to the Lord. Therefore, what Satan meant to draw us away from the Lord with and weaken us should cause us to be strengthened. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. We've got to stand strong with the Lord. And remove the swords of Satan as he attacks so that all will know about our God in heaven. Notice what David said. Verse 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. 
And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, to the, wilderness, to, the wilderness, to the wild beasts of the earth. Notice what he says here, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. When we take the sword from the giant of this world, the world will say there must be something special in their life. And there is. It's Jesus Christ. You see, too many times we think that there's nothing we can do. Oh, yes, there is. But it all has to do with getting close to God and walking with Him and turning to Him and turning to His Word and seeking Him with all of our heart. As David did, we must go in the name of the Lord so that we might remove the sword of the enemy and that which he sought to do in our lives. Remove the sword of the enemy and bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Let's bow. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, there is a battle. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to put distance between us and that old wicked man that old wicked giant, the devil. That he can't reach us with that sword. And Lord, when he gets close, Lord, I pray that we'd turn to you. And Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen us now. Help us to draw nigh to you. Have your will and way, Lord. Maybe tonight Christians just need to get on an altar and say, Lord, I, I need your help in this battle. And Lord, I pray that we'd be strengthened through you and through your word. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.